I feel, in a sense, like it's the coming of Jesus into the city of David, his triumphal entry into the city, where everybody was embracing him and uh, in love with his appearing and celebrating him and uh, praising uh, God for him, for all the amazing and marvelous things that uh, he had done and their great expectation for what they believed was going to come next. And only in that aspect am I talking, that I'm looking, uh, looking forward with great expectation to the coming together again of this church family. I'm so excited that this place will be filled with God's people. And I encourage you, those of you that will, to fast with me one day this week. You pick the day. But I'm gonna and you and you can pick the method of your fasting. You can fast the traditional fast, you can do an adjusted fast, a Daniel's fast, you know, whatever kind of fast you do, but I'm asking that on one day this week that you would fast with me in preparation of the coming together of God's people in the house of God that he has provided, that we might come in and this place be filled with such praise and such worship that we would be encouraged in our spirits, that we would shake off that couch potato mentality that may have been trying to sink in over this past year, where we've been able to, by the grace of God, watch church from the comfort of our homes. If you live in the city of Columbus, or if you live in the surrounding community, or surrounding cities, and you don't have anywhere to go, come on out next Sunday. Members of GMFC, come on out next Sunday. And those of you that live much farther, and it's not impossible because we can do all things through Christ, but it's improbable that you would be able to make it for whatever reason, please tune in with us as we will broadcast the entirety of our service we want to celebrate God. We want to, we're looking forward to the, to the praise, to the reading of God's word, to the singing. Um, I believe the spirit of the Lord, which is here with me right now, is going to really be here. His train is going to fill the temple. His glory is going to be so thick in here that it's going to be an amazing time. And I'm looking forward to celebrating that with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you're not able to physically be here, please tune in with us as you have been. Invite others to tune in with you that we might share in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center, I'm asking you, you've had your time of slumber in the sense where you could relax at home. It's now time to come back to the house of God. So let us come back and celebrate like we've never celebrated before. I'm looking forward to it. Hallelujah. I'm just so thankful to God that we even have a place to come to. Again, thank you 
For those of you that have tuned in with uh, us here today, uh, we're excited about what God has been teaching us, what God has been revealing and releasing uh, here in this ministry, and we're looking forward to even more from God. Just before I get into the Word, I want to touch on something. While I understand the humanistic need to crack jokes, I like a joke just like everybody else, especially connected to our humanity, we seemingly have this ugly need to crack jokes on those who we have set upon pedestals and watched fall off. But as a leader of the faith, let me just say this. Not everything is funny. Not everything is a joking matter. What you perceive as an opportunity to create jokes and humor is actually the revelation of a spiritual war that has just been revealed in the natural realm. What happened this past week involving the family of Kirk Franklin should not become the focus of our jokes, but rather it should be the focus of our prayers. That family is enduring a tremendous hardship that is now magnified by the fame of Kirk Franklin. Your duty as a believer is to pray for restoration and healing and not allow this to become your amusement. As the old folks used to say, if it had been you, and that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm led of God today to uh, continue teaching this series from God's Word in the book of Exodus, the third chapter, the 10th through the 22nd that we started last week. My eye has really been focused this week on uh, the two reasons for Moses' reluctance to respond to the call of God, his insignificance and his identification with God. And I want to, as much as I can today, talk about these two things. In the text, you'll find that Moses really poses two questions to God. Now, the first question that he asks in the text, and I'm going to read the text to you, uh, the first question that he asks is uh, really easy to see. But the second question is masked behind a disabled identity. And this series that we're dealing with is how to re-enable your true identity and stop living a disabled identity. Those two questions are, who am I? And who are you? Now, verse 11 reads like this. It says, And Moses said unto God, this is uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. It reads like this. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Easy to see, very easy. That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I'm going to stop right there. And as we begin to take an investigative analysis of his concern, I want to focus 
on these two underlying issues because these are issues that are having a dramatic and diabolical effect upon your ability to function in your true identity in Christ. It is these underlying issues that have for many enabled and for many disabled your identity. To understand what Moses is concerned with, we have to understand the personality that the questions he poses to God takes on. This anxiety reflects two things. It, re it reflects a spirit of humbleness, but it also uh, reflects a spirit of stubbornness. We can identify that good and bad are demonstrated in what he has proposed or what he has asked. It is a fusion, a coming together, a melding, a meshing of uh, the spirit and the flesh. The spirit representative of the humbleness and the flesh representative of the stubbornness. And I want to start out today with focusing on the humility aspect. And, and if we have time, we'll get to the other aspect. But uh, there's some things that I want to unpack for you. And I don't want to wear your patience. And I don't want to give you too much today. Because I want you to really begin to meditate upon this and to think about this. Because I believe that these are some of the keys to freeing you to function in who you are in Christ. So let's, let's talk about the humility aspect first. Humility is certainly apparent in the text. Moses is not bragging about how great he is. He didn't ask the question to God with a sense of, well, it's about time you got around to sending me to deliver your people. Moses didn't have an attitude like that. Unfortunately, many of us in the body of Christ believe ourselves to be greater than we simply are, and we associate that greatness to our knowledge about God or the length of time of our relationship with God as compared to the length of time um, others may have with, the, uh, with God or the amount of of study or the amount of knowledge that somebody else in the body of Christ may possess. We feel as if we are somehow enhanced because we know more or we've been in this thing a whole lot longer. Because I can quote the Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation, I can list all the books in order, I can tell you all the breakdown, and I can tell you who the prophets were, who the major ones were, who the minor ones were. I can really uh, break everything down for you. Sometimes we carry this attitude of greatness that is attached to a very limited knowledge base. God is not a respecter of persons. Which tells me that God is not concerned with the heights and the stature that you think you have achieved. And God does not base his use of you in his service 
on your estimation of your self-worth. God does not have a, a book in heaven that has names in it that once you get your, uh, you, know, you know, with scales, you get your scale heightened up enough, you get to the, oh, I can use him now category. That's not how God functions. Who am I is not the language of pride. It's the language of humility. And we have to take this into account because humility is essential in the service for God. It is when we grasp the truth that truly without God, there is absolutely nothing that we can do. We become serviceable for God when we understand without God, there's nothing that we can accomplish. If you look at the word of God, you'll find that God cannot use us when we think we are somebody. When you think you're somebody, you disable your identity. Somebody ought to put that in the comment section on Facebook. Somebody needs to put that out on Twitter. When you think, capitalized Y O N U, when you think you're somebody, you disable your identity. Great men of God down through the ages have all confessed unworthiness for their God-appointed tasks. If you're a reader and study of the Word of God, you'll find that the men and women of God that have been used throughout history have historically and persistently confessed that they were not worthy. The call on their life was not connected to some level of worth that they developed. Here's where our identity in Christ can either be enabled or disabled. Today we're consumed with our titles. As a matter of fact, um, I think it was this week or maybe last week, I had a discussion um, about titles. We're consumed with them. Everyone seems to be focused on them. Doesn't matter what the title is. It can be traditional titles, ministerial titles, um, you know, so, uh, socioeconomic titles, um, you know, titles in a community. It doesn't matter what it is. We, we are focused with what comes before our name and what comes after our name. And they typically are focused upon what we have achieved. In essence, my title is a representation of the praise that I've earned. So I've earned my praise is, unfortunately, the attitude that many in the body of Christ display. Especially outside the body of Christ, titles are so important because it's a representation of what somebody has accomplished. And they want you to um, praise that accomplishment by focusing on their title. Man 
in essence, setting man up as king. This is not what is revealed in Scripture. Arguably, one of the most prolific expositors of our faith, Paul, described himself as something opposite of what we see today. 1 Corinthians 15 and 9, it says, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Ephesians 3 and 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints. I'm not just the least of the saints, I'm less than the least. Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? 1 Timothy 1 and 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. The Apostle Paul realized that for the service of God, and you hear this in prayers now, God let me decrease that you might increase in me. Paul realizes that to be, effect, to be effectual in the service of God, man must decrease so that God can increase. Now I want you to understand this, and I'm going to put this thought out there, and I want you to kind of put this over in the corner of your mind because we're going to talk about it here in a moment. I want to just give you a foretaste. If you have a glass filled with water, the glass is filled with water, you can't put any more water in there. If you want to put something else in there, something's got to happen. Or else the something else cannot be added. While what's causing it to be full remains. I want you to just put that off into just a, a, a side compartment. We're, we're going to get back to that here in a second, connected to your purpose but just before we, we move in that direction, I, I want to touch on something that Jeremiah says when uh, he receives his call from God. Because, in essence, it's the same idea that Paul is revealing in Scripture. Jeremiah says, then said I, this is when he is called by God to be a prophet uh, to the people. Jeremiah says, uh, then said I, in Jeremiah 1 and 6, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 1 and 6, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. We are without a doubt nothing apart from God. And for some of us, that's a very hard pill to swallow. We need to always remember that fact. We need to base our attitudes on that fact. I am absolutely nothing apart from God. There's another one you can put into the comment section. I am nothing but God. We need to always remember this fact. If we don't remember this or we disconnect ourselves from it, we will not serve God very well, if we are called to serve him, even at all. 
Now Moses' humility reveals some of the big changes that occurred in his thinking from 40 years earlier when he tried to deliver Israel on his own. You know, when he was in a position of prominence and power. Then he was full of self-confidence. But now, as you analyze his life and interaction with God, the one who was full of self-confidence is now full of self-doubt. Then it was who I am. Now it is who am I. Then he thought he was somebody, but now he thinks he ain't anybody. Then he had all the answers, but now he just is filled with questions. Then he was uh, courageous, but now he's timid. Then he was speeding, but now he's stalling. Then he thought he could conquer, but now he thinks he will be conquered. Then he thought he was willing. But now, he's not ready. He was willing then, but not ready. Now he's ready, but not willing. You see, 40 years in the desert as a shepherd certainly changed the attitude of Moses. You can put this in the comments. Change your stinking thinking. Somebody needs to tweet that. Change your stinking thinking. Forty years in the desert as a shepherd had an effect on the attitude of Moses. Now I want you to, to understand something. I'm going to give you this one today for free. I'm not even going to charge you for this one. The time in the desert that you spend will only be as long as necessary to change your attitude. The time in the desert that you spend will only be as long as necessary to change your attitude. Now understand, I'm talking to those in the body of Christ. However long you want to remain disabled from your true identity in Christ is the length of time that you can expect. But when you shift your thinking, you re-enable your identity in Christ. And when your identity in Christ is re-enabled, oh, look out, land of promise, because here you come. You see, many other men of God of every age will testify that before they could be effectively used by God, they also had to go through years of humbling experiences. Let me encourage you, if you're going through some of these humbling experiences now, this is not the time to despise these experiences. Because these experiences equip you for service. See, you have to understand something. When you begin to, to perceive things or see things through your identity in Christ, you'll find that God is not killing you in this season. He's actually taking a dead thing and bringing it to life. God is setting you up for success 
even though it looks like he's putting you away to pasture. It's in these times when God is drawing you closer to him so that you can gain the most from him. You cannot be intimate with God at a distance. Intimacy requires closeness. But it is in intimacy that the fullness is released and all guards are let down. Now, I've unpacked right there a lot about this humility that's uh, been expressed in the text. But let me, let, me just, let me just cut across the carpet here real quick and touch on the subject of Moses' stubbornness. There's that ugly word, stubbornness. Now, Moses' concern reflected humbleness. Moses used that show of humility to resist God's summons to duty. If God is calling us to service, while it is a wonderful thing to remind yourself it is by his grace that he calls you in the first place, it's absurd to use our humility as an excuse to dodge the call of God on your life. Here's another one. Put this in the comment section. I want to see this in the comment section. Put this out on Twitter. Share it with your friends. Text somebody. You on your phone anyway. Put this one out. God did not gift you for you to ride the bench. God did not gift you for you to ride the bench. I'm tired, Pastor. I'm the one that's always being called on, Pastor. I need a break, Pastor. These are some of the more common excuses that I hear to not use the gifts of God that have been placed in your life, which in truth connect you to your calling and your purpose. For many who have been in this thing a long time, they try to hide their stubbornness behind a facade of humility. There are countless numbers of humble-sounding churchgoers who take rain checks from doing the work of God on the basis that they do not feel they are able to do it. They just sound so humble, but in actuality, it's false humility, which is just a disguise for real rebellion. Now, while you may fool man, God is not fooled. He sees through all of it. And we need to be humble, but also aware that we not use humility 
as an excuse for not serving God because the humility then changes to arrogance. You see, it is arrogance that argues against the will of God. It is arrogance that argues against the will of God. I'm trying to teach you something here. It is the flesh interjecting or trying to fuse itself with your mentality to break your connection with your identity. You see, your internal motto should never shift from not my will, but thine will be done to the glory of our Holy Father. You see, the expression of your will is the reflector of your identity. It is pride that tells God he doesn't know what he's doing or what he is even asking you to do. In essence, God, I know better than you do how to work this thing out. But I truly love how God responds. I truly love how he responds here. He brilliantly counters Moses' concerns by making a twofold promise. And they're found in verse 12. Exodus 3 and 12 says this, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So God declares two promises to Moses to alleviate his concern of being insignificant with the intent to encourage Moses' submission to his summons. God's declaration deals with his presence and his providence. You ought to write that down. God's declaration deals with his presence and his providence, which are in fact the enhancers of his identity in you. You ought to put this in the comment section. God's presence and providence enhances my identity in him. God's presence and providence enhances my identity in him. Now let's, let's take a quick look at his, pres at his presence. His presence is revealed in the statement, certainly I will be with thee. Certainly I will be with thee. Now this is a grand, fantabulous promise to quote my sister in Christ, who I'm looking forward to seeing next week. This reveals Moses was not alone against Pharaoh. Moses was not alone in dealing with the children of Israel. But it is a reflection that Moses and God are against them. That right there is a reason 
for a praise break. That right there is a reason for you to get up from your, ca your couch, shout hallelujah, clap your hands, run around your couch, run to the kitchen and back. That might be the most exercise some of you got in this last year. God is with you. You mean to tell me I don't have to do this thing by myself? I heard the preacher say, I feel my help coming on. You see, this is the same for each of us in our call from God and our daily walk with God. It is not me by myself walking, trying to complete the task God has assigned me. It is me and God. It is you and God against the world. What is it to declare greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world? The presence of God should alleviate your fear. Let me give you an example. Those of you that know me know that I have an affinity for suits. Everyone has their vice. And if you tell people you don't, stop lying. Everyone has that thing, some of us more things than others. For me, outside of golf, is suits. I like suits. I will probably always like suits. I'm a suit guy. Many of my family and friends tease me because of the suits that I have. But the suit is created with a purpose. The suit, this suit that I'm wearing today, rather nice I might say, it was created with a purpose. That was a point for you to laugh. You and I are created with a purpose. But the purpose is not revealed until something happens. The purpose for the creation of this suit is to take all of this and help enhance it so that it can look presentable. That's the purpose of the suit. Now watch this. Until I get in the suit, until I wear the suit, the suit cannot fulfill its purpose. This suit cannot fulfill its purpose to enhance what I look like until I get in it. Some of you already got it. I feel it in the spirit. Some of y'all right now screaming hallelujah. You were created and gifted by God, but until you let God get in you, 
you can never fully experience your true identity. You see, you were made to wear God's glory, but God's glory cannot be revealed until God gets in you. That's it right there. You were purposed to enhance the glory of God. You are the crown jewel of his creation. From the moment that man was created, man was created purposed to carry God in him. This is why God, when he created man, found man to be lifeless because until God got into man, until God breathed into the nostrils of man, the breath of life, in essence, he took what he is and he put it in man. Then the Bible declares man became a living soul. When I was younger, there were some places that I was fearful of going if I was by myself. But when I was with my boys, there wasn't really anywhere I was afraid to go. How much more should this be true of us when our Heavenly Father is with us. You see, Jesus gives a great commission to his disciples, and with it, he gives them this great promise to encourage them to fulfill their purpose. So the fulfilling of what he sent them to do is solidified, is quantified by the fact that he's with them. Matthew 28 and 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the command. Go teach them what I have taught you. Now watch this. Here's what solidifies and quantifies it. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see, Moses would later show his great appreciation for the presence of God when he spoke to God at Mount Sinai during some very difficult times with the Israelites. Exodus 33 and 15. He says, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. You see, Moses wasn't the only one to value and cherish the presence of God in his life. Joseph, when he was in Egypt, emphasized. This was the focal emphasis of the life of Joseph. Genesis 39 and 3. Now watch this. Watch this. Because I, and maybe, maybe, and I'll put it this way. Maybe this is just me. Oh, I don't have the time. Maybe this is just me. But there have been many times where I laid before the Lord, not understanding his grace, his goodness, and all that he's allowed me to do in his name when I try to connect it to my failures. Can I be real with you? Can I just be real with you for a moment? There are times when 
I've counseled people and watched how the very things God has spoke through me to them, when they applied it, it changed their very life. And their lives were enhanced and they went on and did great things. But then there were times when I couldn't even counsel myself. And God still was with me. And it was demonstrated in what he caused me to accomplish for him. In my, in, in my secular job, I used to train people. And as a trainer, I was teaching them how to not just do the job, how to not just go home at the end of the shift, but how to excel. I taught people how to excel, be noticed, so they can get promoted. And some of the very people that I've trained hold positions of great power in my secular job where they are two, three, four ranks ahead of me. And I trained them. I taught them how to get there. And to be honest with you, people of God, there were times in my flesh where I was frustrated. How can I give them the tools to get there, but somehow I seemingly couldn't use those tools for myself? Until I had a come to Jesus moment and Jesus looked at me and just said, son, you are fulfilling your purpose where I have placed you. And in that moment, I stopped seeking the things that were not reflective of my purpose. Look at, look at, look at Joseph. 39th, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. 39 and 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. 39 and 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You see, this revelation that God is with you and this revelation that God was with Joseph encouraged and enabled Joseph to walk in his identity that it was not him by himself, but it was God. And it caused him to triumph over some very rugged experiences that would have otherwise destroyed him. You see, Joseph lived his identity in Christ out loud and all could see because he was purposed to wear the glory of the Lord so that what he did was reflective of who he was. 
we as the children of God have to learn to value the presence of God greater than the presence of others. You need the presence of God more than you need the presence of anybody else. And the presence of God is what is promised to you. You have absolutely no excuse for not serving God as he commands. Now, I valued the presence of my father by my side throughout the years, especially the years that he was with me here in this ministry. I had prayed in the beginning that the Lord would allow me to experience working in the ministry with my father when I started GMFC 20 years ago. But I value more the presence of God with me. You know, we often say if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where? would I be? But have you ever really stopped and thought about exactly what it was you were saying? Have you ever paused for the cause to figure out exactly what you were saying? And how understanding that he is with you is the very thing that enables your identity in him. You see, when I think that I'm alone, then everything I do, I do by the power of self. So then everything I do is connected to the identity of my failed humanity. But when I understand that he is with me always, I am nothing without him, then everything I do is connected to who I am in him. And because I am in him and he is in me, and I'm purposed to wear his glory, to reveal his glory, then everything I do for him is successful and purposed to enhance further his glory. So now I'm not connected to a failed existence, to a dead existence, but I'm connected through identity to an existence that has all power, all knowledge, all authority. So then what I do is connected always to that which is successful. Oh, I don't have the time to, to break this down like I want to today. There's so much that I want to give you. But my father used to teach me. Son, only give so much. Make the meal satisfying and gratifying but leave them wanting to come back next Sunday is Palm Sunday and it would seem like this would not be the type of sermon connected to 
the week before the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, but it is the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ's purposed plan of redemption to reveal his identity. You got to come back next week. You got to tune back in next week. I've talked about the present, but I haven't had a chance really to touch the providence of God and how so beneficial that is for you. Know that I'm praying for you. I may not know you. I may not know your circumstances. I may not know what you're going through, but I know the God that is standing there with you through it all. And I'm calling for God right now to minister to your need. To reveal his presence. The love of God is magnified in the fact that while we were sinners, he came so that I could no longer be identified with my sin, but I could be identified with my redemption through him. Stop living a disabled, dysfunctional, disconnected identity and enjoy the rewarding life that is found in your true identity in Christ Jesus, where there is liberty. God bless you today. Heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace.